You're checking out the Nifty Q Show. All right, good morning. Good evening. Good night. It is another edition of the Nifty Q Show. We're interviewing influential founders, leaders, and awesome people in the NFT industry. Today, I'm sitting with Gold Mamba, co-founder of Bay's Kong Dao, an organization looking to build a go-to resource for all members of the Rumble Kong League. We'll be talking all things, of course, Rumble Kong League, uh, how esports and Web3 align in the near future, how to grow and how to grow successful communities. And it's going to be a, a big discussion. You're doing a lot of things uh, here, Gold Mamba or, or Derek, if you will, uh, within that ecosystem, but in the NFT industry as a whole. So uh, we'll get to a lot of it. But how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm super excited to be here with you. I, I feel like I, I grew up in the NFT space over the last year watching this channel. So <laughs> on it now is is an honor, man. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited for you to join the ranks of, of full-time NFT people. You were saying before the episode started that you're still grinding away at the uh, full-time job, man. I'm, I, I can't wait for you to, to come and join us. <laughs> well, I, I def- it's definitely a goal of mine to, 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 to spend all my time in Web3 at some point soon, yeah. Absolutely, man. So we're going to talk uh, Rumble Kong League, of course. We're going to talk uh, Bays, which is a esports guild, essentially, or like a, an NFT gaming guild uh, that we'll kind of talk about, which you guys are a sub DAO of uh, within that Rumble Kong's ecosystem. You also have Kong Magazine. So we have to kind of work our way around like three or four separate things. So before we get there, let's talk about a little bit about that background of how you found yourself in NFTs. Uh, and then we will try to break all of that down nicely. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, my background is uh, more in the tech Web2 space. I spent 15 years working for tech companies, building sales organizations and uh, digital marketing and advertising, especially, but also recently in the artificial intelligence industry, which I love uh, building some cool stuff. And, um, you know, in that time, I found a few things that I think really kind of I love that space. It's done a lot for me. But, you know, being involved in venture capital deals and seeing how venture capital affects Web2 companies and things like that. Definitely some things that don't quite resonate with me as far as how that business works. And when I discovered the NFT space earlier, you know, last summer, basically, um, it, it immediately resonated with me for the opportunity it represented for people to get engaged as owners. Like, it's not the same thing as equity, but it's it's pretty darn close in a lot of ways. And so I got involved in crypto at the beginning of 2021, really went deep on it, spent all my free time learning about it. Um, bought my first NFT in March and then didn't buy another NFT until August. I was like, just a piece of artwork from a friend. And I was like, no, I'm just going to keep, I I logged into OpenSea and I looked at everything and I'm like, I don't get what's going on here. I'm just going to stick with crypto. In hindsight, I'm like, man, I sure wish I would have looked into it a little bit more back then. But, um, but I, I, you know, everything that I've learned since getting into NFTs in August has just been amazing. And I was so intrigued and and passionate about what I was learning that I just wanted to start writing about it. So I started putting out some articles on Medium under the name Gold Mamba after getting involved in the RKL. And it's just been off to the races since then, man. The community is just phenomenal. Yeah. Before we jump into uh, the proverbial rabbit hole, let's talk a little bit about that background. So you were in the traditional, you know, tech space, I would say. So artificial intelligence, What's what's going on with artificial intelligence these days, man? Because we don't get a, a, you know outside of our bubble here in the NFT space. What's going on in artificial intelligence these days? Yeah, I played in a, a, a major part of that space called the, the unstructured data space. So primarily dealing with things like computer vision, self-driving cars, uh, natural language processing, things that involve unstructured data. It's relatively easy these days to do artificial intelligence for data that's structured, like financial transactions, you know, looking for fraud or something like that. That's very structured data sets. But you start getting into teaching a car to drive, and all of a sudden there's a bunch of data that has to be taught to computers. So, um, you know, I, I got to learn a ton about how different companies and startups were approaching that problem and help them structure their data better so that they could train their models. And a really exciting space. I spent three years doing that for a wonderful company working globally, creating jobs around the world and um, learned a ton in that space. It's, it's really cool. I think, you know, we're not going to have drones delivering us Amazon packages maybe tomorrow, but I think, you know, stuff like that's coming. Oof. Okay. I want to get to the comments really quick. Uh, we have individuals here that are listening to the Nifty Q show live. Of course, we're going to be on YouTube afterwards, but we're also on podcasting uh, platforms, you know, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, whichever you like. But cool thing is we have comments here and, and easy and cryptos in the house saying intelligent NFTs. So is there a AI NFT crossover that we should expect in like the next couple of years? 
You know, I would say in a lot of ways, blockchain and AI, they're composable sort of pieces of Legos, right? So it's inevitable in my mind that you'll find elements of artificial intelligence applied within the blockchain space in many different fashions. I think I've already seen it in my time just in security applications and things like that. But um, yeah, I think there'll be very creative applications as things become, especially as, you know, layer two uh, become opens up a lot of opportunities for people to do things uh, with lower gas fees and things like that. I think you'll see a lot of creativity continuing to explode. Okay. And last piece there on, on the origin story, uh, you mentioned how investing in all of these seed rounds and all these early stage investments kind of change companies. Uh, what did you mean by that uh, when it comes to like something that you didn't like within these uh, venture funds? You know, you take a company that started from really authentic means with a, you know, maybe a, a, a CEO co-founder, a CEO founder, co-founder, really good culture, really good vibe, doing very well, you know, charts are up and to the right and you want to grow the business faster, right? And so they go out, they raise money, bring in venture capitalists. Venture capital or PE firms are often well-intentioned, but, you know, they're there to make money. And um, if things don't go according to plan, it puts a lot of pressure on the leadership team and on that business. And not all business models are ready to scale that three or four or five X after venture capital investment. And so what I've seen is when that company stumbles, it's a, it's a, it's a common point at which, you know, things cannot go so well or things can, you know, be taken to the next level. And so, you know, it just puts a lot of pressure on the organization. And oftentimes I think there's a disconnect between the employees who really provide the value to customers and create the value for the organization who don't have a lot of ownership in that organization, really. I mean, they might have some stock options, but not a whole lot. And they don't really own it. And yet they're expected to build this incredible, incredibly valuable thing for the people that do own it. So that's always felt like a, a disconnect to me. And that's something I'm really excited about the Web3 space, being able to see people get involved and and just like I'm I'm part of Looks Rare. I jumped in on that as soon as that airdrop hit, uh, just because it's like, yeah, I want to be I want to be an owner in a platform like that. The composability in Web3 is like the coolest thing about the space uh, that you can have like all of these decentralized entities work together from that start. Like for example, you have Rumble Kong's League and you're building out uh, products and features and services, and you actually get to experience that, that growth, right? Cause technically that should go back into RKL. Uh, that's a really cool aspect of web three. I'm glad you broke that down. Man. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to jump into, and I need to figure out where we're going to start this conversation. So kind of break down rumble Kong league and, and what that even is for those people who are uninitiated, the origin story there. I know you're not associated officially with RKL. You're not like the, the co-founder there or anything like that but kind of break down RKL for us uh, and then where you kind of saw the, the space for you to fit in. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of the projects I'm, I'm very passionate about. I came across it back in August. I believe it's got started really in its essence back in June and um, it, it minted over the course of a day or two um, and sold out. And for those who may not be familiar, it really combines the best of, gaming with basketball culture and and with web three of course and so if you can imagine having a three-on-three basketball game that's that's blockchain based where you can play to earn and yet you can bring in all these elements of basketball culture with entertainment and sports and competition um to 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 create that in the web three space i mean that had me hooked i grew up playing basketball um and so thinking that wow there's gonna be a basketball game i can participate in and you know earn from that um that's what got me hooked initially. Now the team has has been phenomenal. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about this project is that the team is not only fully doxed, but they have a lot of um, credentials that give them a very high, you know, probability of success in my mind. And so. You've got somebody like uh, Marcus, who's one of the co-founders, who's also a head of marketing for the Sandbox. Doesn't get much more, you know, plugged in than that. You've got another co-founder, Nick Ev, who is also a co-founder of the re-NFT platform for rental of assets. Uh, they're developing a great platform to, to rent, play to earn assets across a number of games. Um, you've got Nas, who's an incredible developer, who's, who's built the tech, and then Sick Pencil, who's done incredible artwork. Those four guys got together, found each other through sort of web three good luck and uh, created this project and the community embraced it. And so 
because the com community has embraced the project to such a high level, it's allowed them to go out and raise more funding. So they raised four and a half million dollars with great strategic investors like CAA Sports, uh, Paul George, you know, Steph Curry got involved buying his own Rumble Kongs on his own accord without, you know, any direct relationship there. So it's just really been a, a cool organic thing to see it come about. And now the game is is in full-fledged development with a AAA game studio, iLogos. So they just released a feature as well, clubs that I, I want you to touch on. But from a timeline perspective, when did Rumble Kong League start? Uh, and then what does that floor price look like these days? The the gameplay is not started yet. It's under development. They're the team is involving the community in that and doing more to get feedback from the community and really making it a co-development process with the community, which I think is fantastic. And, and I love seeing that. Um, so it's it's we don't have a hard deadline for when the first version of the game will be out. Uh, what we expect is that the game will initially start in V1 with some automated play features that allow you to put in coaching inputs or something like that, like who to match up or who to play. And, 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 and so each of the Kongs not only has aesthetic rarity traits, like you would see with any NFT project, but they also have boosts uh, that map to different basketball skill sets, like a shooter or a passer or a defender, right? And so those boosts affect um, or will affect how well the Kong performs in the game. And so it's created a great marketplace dynamic that affects the floor prices where you've got uh, people that want to buy Kongs like like me, you know, I bought Gold Mamba and, you know, I'm, I'm making that my own, but that's a rare aesthetic trait with gold gold fur. But you have Kongs that have not rare aesthetic traits, but have incredible boosts like great shooters, great defenders, and those are going for very high prices too. So the, the, the floor price is a little bit misleading in the project because of that. But um, after the, the funding was announced for the 4.5 million fundraise, um, you saw a lot of buying and, and the floor has basically hovered between two or three ETH um, since that time. And I think we're, we're just getting started. Yeah. Forgive me for not putting two and two together. I didn't realize Gold Mama was based off your PFP. I, now seeing it and seeing your, your PFP, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Uh, so, so the PFP <laughs> project launched... Uh, in what, on what day, just a quick lightning question. And then we can bounce off here. End of July. I don't know the exact date, beginning of August around that time frame. End of July. And, and that was specifically a time where you could launch a PFP project, have no future plans, or at least any solid future plans for utility and, and sell out a 10,000 project or anything like that. But you guys are, or, or the rumble Kong is making its way into utility essentially is, is this gaming feature that's being added. Definitely. And like, for example, you touched on clubs. That's that's good. the clubs. There's going to be 300 unique clubs that are reduced, um, introduced as NFT tokens themselves. So each club will have require its own token. And you can think about it like regular league play in sports that we see today. Right. So you'll have leagues competing in different divisions um, and 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 you'll have club owners and a club owner is maybe the best analogy for that would be like um, being the G GM of a sports or organization, like owning the Dallas Mavericks, right? And you've got a roster, a certain number of spots you can fill. Each club can have 30 Kongs in it. Um, and if you own that club and you recruit, you know, the Kongs as players into your club, you get to um, run that business and that brand any way you want to develop it. And so it creates this opportunity to have 300 club owners all being their own business owners within and competing within the Rumble Kong League now. The clubs will be required for actual league play for league tournaments and league payouts, but there will still be play to earn mechanics in the non-league play or the non-official play. Um, and there you're going to see some interoperability potentially with other projects where if you want to play in RumbleCon League with your ape or your punk, uh, there's plans to be able to do that. And I think interoperability is another really exciting utility. Yeah, this is interesting because you're essentially breaking out what would be like almost a fantasy football roster or fantasy basketball basketball roster and bringing it to the blockchain, being able to actually eventually play uh, physically with the, with the characters that you own or, or the team that you have throughout the year. And you're getting paid out via that system as well. Most definitely. And there'll be, yeah. you know, consumables and, and different strategies on how you play the Kongs. And, you know, we're just getting started on that, but, you know, there's a lot of energy in the community about 
starting to form the clubs. I mean, you have, you already have clubs on Twitter talking smack to each other about who's got the best branding and it's all in good fun, you know, to build their brands, but it's, it's a lot of people are really passionate. Yeah. About we're staring down a rabbit hole of like sports NFT organizational talk as well. We've seen like wag me United come out, which is a, a group that is, or a DAO that's trying to buy uh, like an, uh, an actual football club. Uh, over there in in Europe, and, and there's a lot of other things. The Fan Control Football League is another one. I think Board Ape is involved. Have you heard about these like physical uh, teams here in like the traditional space that are trying to be bought up by Web three DAOs? Yeah, I mean, I, I, Lynx DAO got my attention with their goal to buy a, a golf course, right? And before you know it, boom, they sold it out, and they've got to act. I'm part of that Discord. Those guys are doing an awesome job, you know, organizing around their goal. Uh, I saw another one, I think, called Futera that, 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 that's planning to buy a, a soccer club uh, and involve the community in like coaching decisions and roster management decisions for real life. That's 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 a really exciting concept to have that blend of uh, Web3 community sort of having this hive mind ownership of an, an in real life uh, sporting league. That, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's a lot like the the guild setup that you see in a lot of these Web3 companies as well, which is what we can get into now. So you're, you're a sub DAO of Bayes. So if you could um, kind of break out what Bayes is, and then we can kind of get into how you within the RKL system said, hey, I think we can set up our own sub DAO here or our own DAO within the ecosystem, and this could provide value to RKL. So break out those two things for people who might be yeah, so if you've heard of, of Web3 Gaming Guilds, the one that you would most likely have heard of would be YGG, Yield Games Guild, because they are very big with Axie Infinity, uh, founded uh, out of the Philippines. They have a ton of players for Axie Infinity out of, out of the Philippines, but they're a global organization. The YGG token is well-traded. And I think they're kind of the model that a lot of other gaming guilds are drafting behind or following the footsteps of. And YGG was actually one of the lead, they led the seed round for Bayes um, to invest in, in Bayes' 4 million round, which was seed round, which was just announced uh, last month in December. And um, so as a gaming guild, of course, there's probably a lot of people on this channel that are familiar with traditional esports and gaming. I don't have a big background in esports and, and, and gaming uh, per se, but I definitely get the premise of you organize together, right, as a guild of players to achieve an objective better together than you can if you're all just going at a right? Like similar to a DAO in concept, right? So that's already existed in esports for a long time, but sort of under a web web two structure, right? So esports organizations forming LLCs and things like that to operate and, and be, you know, normal business entities. Um, I think where DAOs make it really interesting is that element of ownership, right? The fact that people can get involved, they can have a say, they can own it. And so, I got connected as a Kong holder with a fellow Kong holder named Mobile Matt back last fall. Mobile Matt has a, a deep roster of Kongs, so he's passionate about the Rumble Kongs project. And he's also got a huge background in esports, hence the name Mobile Matt as, as his moniker. But um, he has a co-founder that he's partnered with, Joao, um, out of Brazil. And they have great connections in the esports community, and they put together a plan to found Bayes and to really be... Uh, the, the, the YGG of the Western Hemisphere, I guess you'd say, um, where they want to connect a bunch of players to blockchain-based gaming and allow people to come into play to earn and have that be just an incredible enterprise creating value for all those players. And so um, YGG um, invested in Bayes and now uh, along with others like Bitcraft uh, and some some other Delphi ventures, uh, really awesome investors in, in the blockchain space. And now um, Bayes is set out to build its organization now going forward. Uh, and part of that is recruiting game leads like myself who want to take uh, ownership and, and leadership for a certain game within the Bayes ecosystem. So Bayes already has a portfolio of games and um, RumbleCon League ultimately is just one of those that, that maps to the US, but they're really active in Brazil too. Yeah, I, I would love to get into like what esports looks like in Brazil, but I think what we what the conversation we could probably get into is that relationship between sub DAOs and the larger DAO 
on like a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. You know, personally, I'm interested in this. You know, we have a kind of stealth mode guild that we're working on here uh, that has potential leads for a bunch of different Web3 games. But oh, cool. just from just from like uh, also kind of the, the viewer and the listener here at home, like what does that relationship look like on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis between the sub-DAO and the DAO itself? Uh, do they support you financially and how does this all work? I think in a lot of ways we're creating this as we go, right? And so that, I don't think there's one right answer or best practice, first of all. But I will say that part of the vision with Bayes is to have these economies of scale, basically, with Bayes. And if you almost think about it, like I use the analogy almost like, like a franchise model, right? Like you can go open up a hamburger shop and call it Gold Mama's Hamburgers. Or you can go open up a McDonald's and you got a lot higher probability of success to sell hamburgers because there's already a playbook and marketing and and all that brand awareness. And so it's a similar concept in my mind where I was working with a group of Kongs back last fall to figure out how do we launch a DAO for the community? Let's do it. We're, we're building Aragon you know, instances and test co- testing tokenomics and stuff. We don't even know what we're doing yet. And that's when we got hooked up with Matt. He's like, look, we could do this together, you know, be, do it part of Bayes. And, and even just something as simple as setting up your, your DAO legal entity, right? Like that's a simple thing these days. So by being a, a sub DAO of Bayes, not only are we able to have a, a valid entity under the Bayes uh, umbrella, but we are able to tap into so so many player pools and a passionate community and exclusive benefits that Bayes can provide. And they're going to be investing in marketing and um, events and, and just so many things. And that, that's going to be great overall for the, the comps that are part of the subdel. Ultimately, it's going to be a higher value for them. Yeah. So YGG obviously has tokens specific to the entire organization. Also the subdel tokens. Is there a plan to do that with Bayes uh, as well? Or is that currently implemented? Yeah, it's not currently implemented uh, because, you know, Bayes is such a new organization. The, the Bayes token is in development right now. Um, and then certainly, yes, we're planning to introduce sub-DAO tokens where it makes sense and, and at a timing that makes sense. So uh, one of the things we're going to be releasing as a sub-DAO is our white paper later this week. We hope people will check that out. And it's going to speak to our roadmap for how we plan to move through both aligning with the RKL and aligning with the development of Bayes in that can you give us any uh, hints on what might be in that white paper? I don't want to like put you on the spot here, but sure. anything you got within that that you could kind of lay out for us? Well, for anybody who's worked on trying to write a white paper and try to do an honest job of it, you know, I think I could probably recite the thing at this point. But um, nice. The uh, you know, our thought was how do we how do we tap into the community not all not just for creativity, but of course for crowdfunding, so the, the DAO can operate. So we plan to do a crowdfunding round. We plan to use that capital in the treasury to acquire RKL assets like clubs and cons, and also. Uh, not to just be about club play and, and league play, but we have a vision to actually build and develop world-class tech and services and tools for the RKL ecosystem that you just can't get or wouldn't want to build yourself elsewhere. So imagine imagine a Moneyball dashboard for the RKL that shows you the statistical analysis of how cons are performing, how to analyze matchups, and how to ultimately get the best yield out of your team and your squad in the RKL based on the evolving game mechanics and economy. Um, so we want to build some tools like that that can serve the community so that club owners in the RKL, Kong holders, they all want to be a part of the DAO, just not only as you know something to benefit from from an investment standpoint, but because we've actually got tools and services that make their jobs easier as club owners. How do you balance the relationship here between RKL, which you guys are trying to obviously be within on a day-to-day basis, and base? Like you're you're servicing almost two different entities here, obviously in different ways, but do you, are you just like meeting with those, those guys and just saying, Hey, this is kind of how we're going to benefit Bayes. And then he, RKL, this is what we're trying to do for you guys. Well, I think it's a symbiotic relationship really, because first of all, you've got an incredibly competent team with the RKL that is very transparent about what they're building and how they're thinking about it. And so we're planning to be fluid and adapt to that. You know, when they say clubs are going to launch, we'll adapt to that. When they say gameplay is going to start, what the mechanics will be, we'll, we're, we're going to figure that out. But um, so that's one thing I think. And I think the mission of Bay is to bring players in to, to play to earn gaming and to build great tools and technology that serve those players' interests and allow them to compete, give them a competitive advantage. Who doesn't want that? So 
um, it's really a rising tide, you know, uh, strategy, in my opinion, which is the better all Kongs do, the better that is for the RKL. So as far as that crowdfunding piece that you mentioned, that's going to be in the white paper that you plan on releasing, I think you said within the next week, is there, is there like a, like, what is the investor getting on the other side of that? Uh, when it comes to that crowdfunding mechanism, right? So we're we're certainly looking at how we can add utility and membership benefits in that, right? And this is a big part of the um, the value proposition of doing it as a part of Bayes too, right? Because not only can we have the ability for our members to rent cons or participate in clubs or RKL events that the DAO holds. Um, and so there'll be a set of benefits unique to the RKL as being part of the DAO. There'll also be a set of benefits that entitle you to be part of Bayes. So you join the joining the 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 Kong DAO as part of Bayes is like joining Bayes in a way. Um, and we'll do things that um, commemorate, you know, membership achievements and um, you know, so airdrops, uh, things like that. But uh, the people that contribute to the crowdfunding, certainly, you know, we're going to have, you know, uh, sub-DAO tokens that we distribute to them um, so that they those are tradable in the future. But uh, we got we to gotta get there, obviously. So we're looking for people that are comfortable, certainly comfortable, you know, with the risk that this represents in terms of, you know, this is all new and, and we're trying to figure it out and try to put together a great world-class team to do this. I'm, I'm not doing this alone by any means. You should be worried if, if, if we were. Um, we've got some awesome cons involved. Um, which will be in the white paper and, you know, with a, a range of skill sets. So I feel really optimistic about our ability to navigate. Uh, you mentioned it earlier in the episode uh, that you had uh, not much esports background, obviously like, you know, Rumble Kong league is trying to be a pseudo esports, uh, you know, platform. How do you look at the difference between maybe players within your sub DAO who are going to be like actively playing Rumble Kong league and those maybe that just want to like, be a part of the sub DAO. Just maybe want to get in, involved as investors, or just want to put their capital to work and not put so much time in. Well, I think you make a couple of very good points there. So for players, you know, every every game economy needs lots of players who want to participate, right? And making the power of Web Web three is to make that gaming economy a global game community. Right. So whether it's in Brazil or anywhere else, in addition to the United States, having a pool, a global pool of players that are interested in getting involved is a critical fuel that drives that gaming economy as it matures. Right. I think we've seen that with Axie Infinity as their player base has grown into the millions. Right. And and allowed them to do incredible things. So I, I think and players, of course, are motivated by the um the, the desire to climb that league ladder, right? So if you don't have a lot of means to get involved, but you want to come and, and rent an asset from the DAO and do a revenue share with the owner of that asset, and that you know gives you earning capability, well, that makes a lot of sense. And then, so for the owners of the assets, of course, we know you know some some very um, some con owners with some very deep benches. <laughs> They've got a lot of cons, and there's no way they're going to manage those teams, right? They're not going to they're not going to spend all the time analyzing the game and, and really extracting the most value out of what they've invested in. And so we want to create something with the DAO that allows those whales or, or, or club owners to even potentially just come to us and say, hey, Kong DAO, you manage it. You, you use your skill set, you use your data, you use your tools, and you use your people um, to, to manage this for me. And, and you know, I'll take the, 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 the revenue split. And that's something we want to do for the community too. Are there potential pitfalls to have or, or like having, and this is a discussion I have on, on the channel multiple times as we kind of make our way into building, like you said, as we go, this play to earn economy and, and adding essentially financialization to games. Are there pitfalls to having DAOs hoard a lot of assets or having large whales in, in these games? Like, how do you view that uh, in, as part of like the full economy of Rumble Kong League if there's five holders that own a ton of the game? I think that's a challenge whether you've got DAOs involved or not. But honestly, I think a DAO done intelligently, you know, to, to benefit the community and to bring players in ultimately can create a lot more value, right? Because if you just have a bunch of, certainly you wouldn't want whales sitting on assets that they're not leveraging in the gameplay, right? So that's not good for the game system if, if they've got more than they can use or, or if they're dumping them on the floor and just trying to monetize them that way. You, you want them to um, be able to monetize their assets in a structured way and, and players can help do that. So I think DAOs serve a critical role to help bring those parties together. Like, you know, why you use Uber on your smartphone? Well, uh, Uber is a great app because it 
connects riders with people who want to drive. And I think a DAO can play a little bit of that role. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I want to give a shout out here to the comments uh, again, guys, if you have uh, questions uh, for gold Mamba here on what they're building within the rumble Kong league ecosystem or, or within bays and any Dow questions, uh, please drop them in the chat and I will definitely get to asking them uh, Mamba gold Mamba, you know, Derek, how fast did you make your way into learning about DAOs? You know, some, everyone has like a little bit of a timeline. Certainly there are people who found NFTs still don't know what DAOs are. Uh, they're certainly like another rabbit hole in themselves. So how quickly did you find out about DAOs? And then did it turn, did it click that? Holy shit, this is going to be a whole nother beast. Yes. I, I, I think I'm probably, I'm, I'm still in my journey for sure. I'm not an expert, but I do consider myself a constant learner. And I think we all have to in the space, right, to, to make sense of it. So probably the first time I really understood the power of DAOs was when Bankless started covering them. Um, the guys over at Bankless do a great job with their content and breaking down the industry. And they were really touting, you know, last year, the power of decentralized autonomous organizations to, to change the, the corporate landscape. And that got my attention coming from more of a traditional corporate landscape because I had already had the thoughts that, wow, these the buying these NFTs is is almost like having equity in the project, and you're 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 an early stage investor in these projects if you believe in them, and you marry that concept up with the DAO structure as an organization, and it just made total sense to me. It clicked. Amazing. I got a comment here uh, touching on the specific talent when it comes to play to earn games. Uh, so you'll have a specific player maybe in a Rumble Kong league that is better than another player. Are they potentially earning more? And then how do you look at that from a sub guild perspective of like trying to get a roster of the best players? I'm a believer in rewarding results and, um, you know, having a meritocracy in that regard. So, you know, if if there's a player who's outperforming other players, they should get more responsibility, right? And that should be transparent for everybody. And the kind of culture I appreciate is one where people don't hoard their secrets, right? Like that should be an opportunity for others to learn from that person. Maybe I'm a bit idealistic in that regard, but that's that's what I believe in is that, you know, people should want to improve, work on their game. Uh, that's That'll be true for clubs too, right? You'll have clubs that are outperforming other clubs. Part of how we're going to measure our success as a, as a DAO and, the, and, and what we're trying to build is, can we take a club of, say, you know, average comms and can we go out and outperform in a very quantitative fashion an equivalent club with similar comms in terms of their stats? Can we outperform them using our technology and tools and management skills? Um, if we're doing that, we can show that empirically, then that should be a pretty strong case study for why you should be part of the deck. Yeah, that's almost a money ball effect of saying, hey, I could take these these average players and maybe make them a little bit better and, and gain that uh, alpha there. Right, exactly. Yeah, I love that, man. Uh, so I want to open this up, obviously, to like any other thoughts that you have uh, on what you're building. I want to maybe hit on Kong Magazine as well and see what you're, yeah. you're kind of hitting on there. Uh, I guess we could start there and then I'll hit some other questions before you, you head out. Yeah, well, one other thing I, I would say is, you know, we're new to this and we're definitely looking for people who want to participate. So if there's people who want to, you know, volunteer their skills or abilities, we're going to be looking to add people to our team rapidly now that we're sort of swinging into motion here. What What is a sub down need specifically? Like what, what, what are some types of people you're looking for? Yeah, we need we need tech skills, you know, data analysis, analyst skills. We need marketing skill sets, communications managers, people that can get involved as Discord mods, community managers, helping us plan events, project management. Whew. I mean, you start you start listing this stuff, and it's it's where I feel like at least my yeah, I may not be you know a hardcore gamer, but I have been a part of a lot of organizations that are trying to grow. I've scaled multiple organizations from sub five million to fifty million plus, and you you learn a lot about the roles you need and, and pitfalls and things like that. So um, I think that's where I can add value as part of our team. And, and we're trying to think through a lot of those roles right now. And obviously that'll be a dynamic thing, but yeah, we'd love to hear from anybody that's interested in helping. <laughs> yeah. Touch on Kong magazine really quick. What are you doing with, with that? And, and specifically touch on this like idea of community management. Uh, you seem to have done a lot of research. If you guys are at home and listening to this, follow gold mama, go to his blog. Cause he's done a lot of research on, what makes good communities essentially. And a Kong magazine is might seem like a very small piece, but it's an indicator that that community actually has things going on. So touch on that as you see it within the broader community. Right. So the, the idea, now this is totally separate from the DAO, 
um, I, I tend to, you know, writing these articles has gotten me uh, opened up a lot of doors, which I'm incredibly humbled by and thankful for. So um, I can't take any credit for starting the concept of Kong Magazine. I got sort of recruited into it because of my writing, which was awesome. Um, it started with a, a, a legendary artist in our community named Mike Fogg, uh, who, who has started AstroCons and Space Hoops. You might recognize some of his work from those. Um, he put out a, a, a magazine cover design as an as a artist that was modeled in the image of Slam Magazine from regular basketball, uh, but it was for the RKL. So it had a Kong on it, and it, it looked like a Slam Magazine, but you could tell it was RKL, right? Well, everybody in the community loved the art. He's been making these covers for people. Well, uh, another Kong uh, who goes by the the, the handle of NT, um, NT, NFT MCMA uh, connected with uh, Mike Fogg and said, "Look, we got to really do this. This 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 should be a real digital magazine." And so we've got a team put together. We just started moving more into production on the magazine over the last month. And we're working through that right now. So the idea is to create an actual digital magazine, produce it as an NFT for Kongs that anybody can read, but only Kongs can mint, and actually have a real magazine. So I've, I've written several articles for the first edition. We've got a team of about five people, six people that have made contributions to it. And we're going through art and tech right now to get the first edition out. That's amazing, man. So kind of give us a little bit of details here uh, as it comes to rumble Kong league, do we have a game drop, like actual date, uh, for what's going on here? No, but I think if you're, if you join the rumble Kong discord, you're going to see just like today, there was another game dev update. They just let us know earlier last week that they've moved in out of pre-production phase and into production phase with iLogos. And they just dropped a little preview of a stadium, uh, today. Um, and they're going to get more involved with the community in terms of making decisions about how it should be developed in, in a lot of regards. So it'll be interactive. Yeah. One of the team members you mentioned is part of the sandbox uh, in some form or fashion. Is there already a Rumble Kongs universe? And then along with that, it feels a lot like you guys could build lore with that Rumble Kongs magazine. Is that something that you, you're kind of looking at when creating it? Definitely. We want, we want the magazine to be very much like an interactive community generated content experience as well. So not just a centralized thing, right? So in one of the things that's in the first edition is an example of a backstory that I have already written about Gold Mampa because, you know, my imagination was following on it. But we're using that as an example to call out to the community and say, hey, give us your backstories on your clubs, on your cons. And we're, we want to, we want to almost have like a writer's room type effect where anybody can participate in the magazine if their stuff is good enough, right? And um, and I think that not only strengthens the community, you asked about like what makes a strong community. I think it's it's passion, right? Like the 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 slogan in, in our community is we are Kong or I am Kong. And everybody, you know, repeats that on a regular basis. But you know, it it really comes down to being passionate about what we're doing and finding ways to add value, right? Like hmm. I'm not a designer, I'm not a developer, but I, and I'm not a writer either, but, uh, you know, I, I wrote some articles cause I, could. so I think finding a way to get involved and putting value out there and value comes back to you. Yeah. You clearly have done a lot of research on, again, this community building. You mentioned YGG earlier in the episode as it's related to kind of the DAOs in, in a sense, or like the guilds, uh, uh, and how they look at YGG as kind of the, the flag bearer of sorts, what other maybe DAOs or games or NFT projects have you done research on, or you just you know, know about that you might want to say, Hey, let's, let's fashion some of what we're doing after these guys. Cause they're doing this so well, you know, from a DAO standpoint, you know, a, a true, uh, decentralized organization has no centralized leadership per se. And that, that's not where we're starting. I think you, my opinion is that a level of centralized leadership with transparency and community engagement is what's required to move the organization forward and sort of get the flywheel built, right? Um, and I think a project that's done an incredible job of that is, is uh, CyberCons, um, which is easy to say when they've got, you know, Genesis Kongs going for 100 ETH and all that. But if you look at what they're doing, they've got a council of Kongs that represents the leadership of that organization. And then they put a lot of things out to vote in the community with their banana token. And uh, CyberCons, they communicate well, they operate on principles of integrity and um, transparency and benefit the community and the community feels cared for, like they're not going to get screwed by this, this group, for sure. And I think that's, that, that's what I think of in terms of modeling ourselves after just what we're trying to do in building the organization. In terms of other 
games that we've modeled ourselves after, it's so early in, on the blockchain front. So I'm not sure, but there are some games I'm excited about, like Big Time. I, that's a that's an incredible team with that game. I love what they're doing, um, and 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 a couple others I've seen, but. Um, you know, it remains to be seen who the winners are going to be. <laughs> we, we got some ooze in the chat uh, here, as you mentioned, uh, CyberCogs. Yeah, so we, we got some fans here. Uh, let's talk about maybe some projects that you've seen in your time. And again, you said you've been kind of doing that research for about a year now. What are some, you know, maybe events or projects that you're saying, hey, that's not probably the way uh, that it should be done. Uh, kind of the opposite of giving some good examples. What are some maybe bad examples you've seen out there? Not to throw shade at any project, but if you can stay general. No, I, I can definitely speak to my observations there. I mean, I, I think it goes without saying, you know, things that are rug pulls are are right out. I shouldn't have to explain that. But I've seen some unfortunate circumstances where you've got a project that started with good intentions not uncommon for it to be anonymous, but there's not really any sort of real plan to execute on a very, um, you know, aspirational roadmap. And I think I've seen a couple instances where it becomes clear that like, that's not going to work and they just drop it. They just drop the project. Right. Um, and that leaves the hold the NFT holders holding the bag to zero. And so that's, I've seen several projects like that and different founders have handled that better or worse. I think a, a more tricky thing um, that I've seen in a few projects is you have a, a founder who may or may not be doxxed um, and they sincerely care for the community and want to build, but they don't actually have the organizational development skill set in their background. Maybe they're just a tech dev or maybe they're just an artist and they don't actually know how to build a team, build an organization, how to get different functions like marketing going with, you know, development work and pipeline, developing a, a development pipeline, things like this that have to work together. And that's a big deal because you're not going to be able to cross the chasm and scale the organization if you can't get the right people hired or involved and in the right seats and, and everybody moving in the same direction. And I've seen some projects start to stall out um, because of that. And I hope those founders recognize that, that they have the self-awareness to recognize that um, and, and can turn them around because there's still potential there. What's some ideal tips that you would give to those? Cause to those people, because you kind of see different sizes of projects as well. I've got people in my own community that are building their own smaller project. What are some tips you could give, uh, as you mentioned, your, your experiences kind of scaling companies and products? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, first of all, it's all about the people. There's nothing more important. So you got to have people that operate on the same values as you first and foremost, because it doesn't matter if they're a phenomenal developer or artist. If you don't share the same value system, it's not going to work. So that's really critical. And then I think it is about recognizing what you need when and being able to make tough trade-off decisions because you can't hire for every position when you'd like to. And so you're never going to make everyone happy. I think transparency with the community is a really big opportunity there for a lot of Founders and I think a lot of founders probably have a lot of pride, right? Like, hey, I got this. I'm building it. I, you know, I'm good. And so it's hard to cut through that that pride and recognize, like, wow, we're not going to get all this right. You got to admit, admit admit mistakes. You know, people respect that, and I'm sure we'll be doing that, right? So I would say, like, for the Condal, like, don't judge us on like whether we make mistakes or not, but like, are we transparent about it? Do we engage the community and and how we react to it and and encourage? the collective solving of those problems, because that's what'll do the best. That, that's a great breakdown. I appreciate that. Those insights there. Uh, I want to hop real quick back into what you're doing uh, with the Kong Dao. And do you have any thoughts in your mind? And I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but are there any thoughts in your mind about potentially scaling this up to maybe other games that you're interested in? Or do you really have a singular model of saying, Hey, I feel like I'm going to be here for, for years. Let's just do it here. Well, that's, I mean, that hits the nail on the head is why I'm so passionate about doing this with Bates, right? Because the Kong Dao started as a purpose to exist within the Rumble ecosystem. But by having a bunch of members who are part of that, giving them access to Bayes and Bayes is investing in awesome games like Big Time, like Influence, like Meta Soccer, right? Like being able to get cross-pollination of players and ideas and tools and tech across that ecosystem of games, that's super exciting. So as Bayes grows, uh, our sub will grow and the members will get more opportunities. And that, that to me is an awesome value. 
Okay. Last question here on, on RKL, as far as like from a personal perspective or for someone that's trying to get involved uh, at home, maybe today, uh, what could they do right now as far as like maybe buying the asset? And then what could we expect from, you know, having usage of those assets here in like the next month to next quarter? Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's rumble Kong league, certainly the easiest thing to do is, you know, go and buy a Kong. Uh, I recommend looks rare as a shareholder <laughs> Ooh, staking. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and I, I love what those guys are doing too, but um, no, you can get a Kong. If, if that, if that floor price is, is, is above uh, and the entry point, you can get in on some shoes. There's some, a Steph Curry shoe drop that just hit. It's very affordable where uh, there's actual Steph Curry wearable shoes that will be used in the game in the future. So you can pick those up pretty, pretty low right now. Is, is Steph Curry involved in that or is that just a derivative? Of, oh, he is involved. Yes, he's involved in it. It's, it's, it's not a derivative. He's in, he dropped um, his own line of shoes uh, to commemorate the three point title and then has partnered with RKL to release the RKL version of his shoes that will be wearable within the game. Um, so pretty awesome collectible if you, for those out there who already correct, collect shoes, right? You can say you got the first edition of Steph Curry wearables in the RKO. That is sick. Yeah. Um, so I think those are ways to get involved. Now, part of the reason the DAO is being created is to allow people to get involved and get exposure to the whole RKL ecosystem at a level that they're comfortable with. So we're going to be looking for people to contribute whatever they're comfortable with, but they need to think of those contributions that they make to the DAO as staked until we roll out things like tokens and things like that in the future. So I don't want anybody to you know, to invest anything in the DAO that they're not comfortable with losing or comfortable with being locked up for a period of time because you know, we, we want to be fully transparent that we're building this as we go. This is such a cool conversation that we could dive into, which is that these sub DAOs or these guilds within these ecosystems are almost acting as the onboarding outside of maybe what a project would have is just a traditional discord, jump into main chat, ask about it. You guys are doing the onboarding for the actual game. And then past that, as more guilds get set up, it almost becomes like a, a frater- like fraternity or sorority rush scene where you, like a new user will be like, oh, which one do I want to g- get a part of? And then you have all these different values that you could provide. No doubt. You know, we just rolled out our, we just did our logo reveal yesterday and it was, it was uh, four Kongs by Kongs. So it had a sick track with it. It was developed by Kongs as well as the the video that was created by a great Kong that won a, a, an art contest that we ran. And um, it's got my mind, my, the gears turning on like, well, how can we have community generated uh, swag for the, for the DAO, right? Maybe they can design our own swag. And that, that's an idea that was proposed by uh, Vapor, um, who, who does the courtside podcast for, you know, for the, the RKL community. I just love the idea of, collective intelligence, right? Like people out there have ideas way better than I do. So let's surface those things and then let people vote on what they like the best and then turn it into a reality. So Kong Dao, how do people get involved uh, with what you got going on? They go to your, I'm just assuming Twitter profile, get to get into your discord. Yeah. The Twitter handle is uh, Bayes, B-A-Y-Z underscore Kong Dao. So if you go there, there's a link to join the the discord on Twitter. Um, That's where we have the, the link to join. And yeah, those are the two things right now. Follow follow us on Twitter and and join the Discord, get involved in the conversation and help us build something cool. That's awesome, man. This has been a great convo. I want to open it up to the community one last time. If you have any questions uh, here, uh, drop them in chat and we can get them over to Derek here before he pops off. Uh, Derek, I got a quick question. NBA team, who is that NBA team? I know we talked college basketball. Shout out to War Eagle. Shout out to Auburn University, number one for the first time. But who's your uh, NBA team here that you cheer for? So I love great games. I I love competition. Um, I don't have a diehard NBA team, but I did grow up a huge Larry Bird Celtics fan. So I have to say, if if it's any team, it's probably still the Celtics for that nostalgia of being one of the best franchises in the game. Um, But I love great players. I love LeBron. I think he's an incredible role model of an athlete and a person and the work he puts in. So I, I never cheered harder than when LeBron brought that championship to Cleveland just because of what that meant to him and those people there. Like, so, you know, I cheer for LeBron. I cheer for 
people I like. I can't wait for these backstories to be brought into web three where you have like a, and I don't want to use you guys as an example, but maybe a Dow competes for like 40 years and hasn't brought home the championship. <laughs> and then yeah. you finally <laughs> kind of get it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No club wants to to be that club. Right. But it's bound to happen one way or another. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. You guys are in, in first. So I'm sure you're going to cement yourself as the Celtic equivalent in that system. Hopefully yeah. uh, Matt, Matt Radke's asking, uh, when use our cyber conks in RKL, ha ha. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, you know, I know, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I know the interoperability is a priority um, for, mm. for the RKL founders. And I love that idea. I think I'm big on projects that do it, have interoperability, like uh, Galaxy Fight Club is another one that's building interoperable fighters for their MOBA. And I, I really like that concept because it, it, it feels like how Web3 should be, right? Like I have... I have this character I like. I want to use them in the game I want to play. Mm, love it. Love it. Okay. So I, I think we're about wrapping up here. This has been a great combo. Uh, there were a lot of things to touch on, which is probably why I sound like I'm all over the place a, a little bit in this conversation, but you've done a great job, Derek, of kind of breaking down all these little uh, pieces within a composable ecosystem. Uh, I guess the last question I probably have is just, you know, NFT predictions. Where, where do you see us here in, in 2022, 2023? What does the NFT space look like in that time? Predictions are like forecasts in a, in a company. Like they're yeah. always wrong and sometimes useful. Um, uh, so, you know, I'm curious, you know, I, I do think that ETH 2.0 is a big, a really big thing that's sort of on the landscape for 2022. Um, ETH 2.0 rolling out because that's going to unlock a lot of state beef. And it'll be interesting to see the effect that has on the market. But I really think this year is going to be the year of layer twos and, and gaming built on layer twos. So whether it's Immutable X or what's going on with Arbitrum right now, um, the Treasure DAO and what they're doing with Magic Ecosystem to build on Arbitrum, uh, that's just going to keep accelerating. Layer twos are where it's at. Polygon, I, I, uh, you might have seen the news just this past week that the head of gaming at YouTube just joined Polygon as a CEO. Hello. Like, big things happening, man. It's so cool. So RKL, is that... I don't know why I'm like super out of focus right now, but RKL, is that a layer two uh, play there? Or are you guys on Ethereum or, or is the team on Ethereum? The PFPs are on Ethereum right now, um, but they have already said, of course, that the marketplace for trading Kongs and trading consumables and assets will be built on a layer two. They haven't said officially what one it will be. My guess is, you know, based on what I've read, is probably Arbitrum. Um, but, you know, the Sandbox is partnered with Polygon. These are all great tools uh, and, and ecosystems. Amazing. All right. Anything else you want to get off your chest, man? I definitely have to have you back on here. Uh, on the show, maybe we can get RKL on NFT Live or one of the shows across the network as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything you want to talk about NFT wise, man? I'm just one guy trying to make sense of it all, man. So I, I so much appreciate this opportunity. It's so cool to connect with you. I'm, I'm humbled to do it and I'm, I'm thankful. You know, I, I guess the last thing I'd say is, you know, my mind started off today thinking about this being the two year anniversary of losing uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and all those people in that terrible tragedy two years ago. And God, that just 2020 started off bad with that and then just got worse, didn't it? But, um, you know, I, I, my encouragement to everybody out there is to remember to um, appreciate the people in your life every day because, you know, money comes and goes, Web3 technology comes and goes, but people are irreplaceable. So make sure you appreciate it. That's probably the best sign off we could ever have on the Nifty Q show, guys. We will be here tomorrow uh, with hash masks. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, I was here with Gold Mama today. Uh, absolutely laid down a, a fantastic interview here about what he's building with the uh, Kong Dow and in Rumble Kong League. So we're going to sign off here. We're going to wave bye to you guys. Thank you for stopping by here. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, man. Take care. Be well.